it's sort of our guiding principle is this idea of what talents do you have that can set people free? And so we, we really firmly believe that everyone has something to offer in this fight for social justice. And if they want to work with us, we're going to work with them. We're going to find something for them to do. listening to Relish This, the Purpose Marketing Podcast. Here's your host, Stu Swineford. Hey everybody, Stu here. Putting a price on value is an interesting concept in that not everyone has the same definition of what any given item is worth. My guest today is Taylor Masamitsu from Creating for Justice. This great organization connects people seeking to learn new skills with volunteer experts that provide one-on-one teaching services, all in the name of social justice. It's an interesting model that has a ton of potential as we see online learning and the social justice movement intersect. Creating for Justice has purposefully set the prices for their services very low, but have an opportunity to embrace the concept of value exchange a bit more strongly by allowing, allowing their stakeholders to set their own price for the services rendered. Understanding your audience was another one of the subjects of our conversation. And getting a handle on who is engaged ensures that you are putting your message out there in the right arena. And it offers the opportunity to, co- to collect information from your constituents to help guide your decision making and expand your organization's mission. This episode suffered a bit from some technical challenges early on as our conversation really got going, but I think we recovered well and made this one one I think you really enjoy. Here we go. Hey, Taylor, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you, Stu? I'm very well. Thank you for being on the show today. Thank you for having me, and thank you for making the time to talk about Creating for Justice. Oh, my pleasure. I have Taylor Masamitsu on the, on the call today on, uh, on, our, on our show, and you are coming to us from L.A., is that right? I am originally from L.A., but I'm currently based in New York City. Oh, fantastic. You're just jumping coasts. I sure did, about five years ago now. That's great. I, I love both those cities. I had the pleasure of going to L.A. on a number of occasions for both work and pleasure over the years. I have a friend who has a place in um, Playa Vista, and so I would go out and hang out with him. And most of the time, we would have like zero agenda and would just go and find fun things to do. And then New York, I got to visit when I ran the marathon there back in 2016, I want to say. Maybe 2017? I can't remember. I feel like there's a lot. 2016. It was 2016. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot to unpack there, but let's start with the marathon running. Oh, well, I, I was an ultra runner for a little while and then uh, switched to marathons. And um, New York was actually the last marathon that I ran, I think. Wow, that's very yeah. cool and very unique. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great race. Um, I, I don't know that it's really happening right now since we're kind of still in the middle of this pandemic. But mm-hmm. um but it was one that I tried to run. I tried to run three times. And the first time was the year that the hurricane hit. Mm-hmm. And so the race was canceled like at the last minute. 
And then the second time was, and wisely so, it was a, it was a mess. Yep. Uh, then the second time I was the, the following year and I got injured leading up to it. And so I, I decided to stop, to not go. And then a couple years later, I managed to run a really fast half and, uh, and qualified again. And I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. And I was actually injured a little bit going into it as well, but I just had fun and just enjoyed the scene. And, um, it, it's just such a, such a great place to, to go visit. Like, just an amazing, amazing town. That's really cool. That's And congratulations on your marathon. Well, thank you. Yeah. And I did get to see the opera when I was there. So That's I flew exciting. in and I got to see Don Giovanni at the Met. And I know you are a tenor. Is that right? I am a tenor. That is true. Fantastic. Do you, are, have you done anything with, with the New York Opera or the Met? No, I haven't done anything with the New York Opera or the Met, but a lot of my friends and colleagues have. Um, I focus more on teaching myself. Okay. And are you teaching right now? Is that, is I that am. your main gig? Okay. I teach uh, at a nonprofit uh, theater company up in Westchester. I also okay. teach for a studio based in the city, and I have a private studio that I run myself. Oh, that sounds amazing. Yeah, so lots of students, lots of teaching. That's great. So tell us a little bit about uh, your nonprofit that we're going to discuss today. I would love to. So uh, back in June, my husband and I started a nonprofit organization called Creating for Justice. And our mission is to amplify BIPOC voices, and that's Black, Indigenous, and people of color, while offering accessible and equitable education in the arts and other professional fields. Cool. How are you guys, how are you guys doing that most? Is so it- we, we have two main, um, I'll call them departments. Uh, the first one, which is actually how CFJ started, is our services department. And we have a roster of amazing volunteers who all wanted to get in this fight for social justice and wanted to do more than demonstrate and donate what they could. Of course, we're all still doing that as well, but we wanted to use our time as much of it as we could to give back to these amazing causes. So within our services, we have five different sections. We have performing arts, fine arts, media, health services, and professional services. And these are all vetted professionals in their respective fields. And essentially, for a donation of any size, you can work with them one-on-one. And that donation, 100% of it, will go benefit another anti-racist organization. So, for example, let's say you wanted to take acting lessons. We have this phenomenal acting teacher. Her name's Arielle Flynn Bolden. And for a donation of any size, and I mean a buck, you can have a one-on-one lesson with her and that dollar will go to the Black Trans Advocacy Coalition. So that's sort of how our services work. That is so cool. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, I would definitely check it out at creatingforjustice.org slash services. We have 14 different volunteers who all offer really unique, awesome things. Yeah, that's just an amazing way to mobilize these people who want to give back and they want to do more. And they have this unique talent that they can share with people. Um, and then to, to drive donations. I just love that approach. You're, you're kind of leveraging the power of both you know, donor funds and passion for the arts, as well as, as uh, people with a little bit of free time on their hands that they can donate to this great cause. Exactly. And it's like we have everything from acting lessons to budgeting services to tax help to ergonomic health and nutrition counseling. We have 
a bunch of different things going on over here. That's so um, cool. Yeah, it's really it's really neat. So that's uh, one half of creating okay. for justice, and then the other half is uh, centered around community projects, and this I think is really cool. Um, so what we'll do is we'll either partner with another organization or we'll spearhead our own project um, that's centered around a local issue. So for example, we partnered with this organization called Fuel the People back in October and November uh, for this campaign called Fuel the Vote. And we worked with them uh, to raise money, get donations, um, to feed people waiting in line to vote and poll workers. That's so cool. And the, some upcoming things, we're partnering with this organization called Sir Duke Entertainment in January 2021. And their work is all centered around people who feel sort of stuck in their careers or feel like they maybe missed their chance. And so CFJ's volunteers are going in to offer these 50-minute demonstrations uh, to gauge people's interest, to see if they might want to change careers or learn a new skill, kind of like what our services do, but on a bigger um, on a bigger scale. Wow, that's really cool. So... So in this community service element, are, are, it sounded like you guys either partner with people or you you kind of fuel your own initiatives. Is that did I hear that correctly? That is true. We, we're starting our own for the first time. Not till we're aiming for August twenty twenty one, but we have two in the works. Okay. Um, one we have this amazing student ambassador. She's a junior in college. Her name's Hannah, um, and she is. I mean. She blows my mind. Uh, after she graduated from her high school, she started doing all of this research and activism about her local school district in Ohio. And Hannah grew up female and black in a school district that was 1.1% okay. black. And so she's been mobilizing um, her school district and the 1.1% of the black student population and a bunch of allies to create more equitable curricula and to hold the administration accountable and do things that are more than just a performance, more than saying Black Lives Matter, but actually doing something to show that Black Lives Matter to them. And what Hannah's going to do with CFJ is we're going to start an ambassador program. So students who come from school districts like Hannah did can all get together once a month and uh, talk about ways, talk about what's going on in their communities and come up with constructive ways together about how to solve them. That's really cool. So you're, you're essentially kind of crowdsourcing this, the idea mechanism around, around you know, how, to, how to create and foster change. Exactly. And what, we're, what excites me the most about this project is we're getting people involved in activism and in their local communities, even before they might be old enough to vote. Well, that is, that's really neat. I've actually had the pleasure of speaking with quite a few very young, um, I mean, I guess you would call them very young activists here on the show. And, um, and it's just a, a thrill to, to see kind of the passion that, that these kids are bringing to the table and, and just how much, you know, how much thrust they have in making, making these change, this change happen in the world. Yeah, they are unbelievable it's really cool so you have a lot of stakeholders in in your your platform in terms of uh, volunteers and people who are teaching and 
and ambassadors and donors and people interested in in learning new things. That is true. We have a a huge network um, and growing every week. Do you see much movement between those groups or among those groups, I guess, in terms of do people come in wanting to donate and, uh, and learn how learn a skill or, or, you know, learn something for their own business. And then they, they say, wow, I can be part of this and, and escalate to be kind of one of the teacher types. Oh, we haven't seen that trajectory quite yet. Um, most people who are involved with creating for justice just reached out to us on either via email or a lot of people actually on Instagram and just said, Hey, like this mission looks great. Like, what can I do? Um, and we're sort of our guiding principle is this idea of what talents do you have that can set people free? And so we, we really firmly believe that everyone has something to offer in this fight for social justice. And if they want to work with us, we're going to work with them. We're going to find something for them to do. Uh, so we haven't turned away people, um, but no one has come to take a service and then become a service provider. Okay. Cool. What? What are some of the biggest challenges that you that you have? Is it getting the message out? How did how have you done with with you know promoting the brand and, and letting people know that this is a an opportunity? I would say that uh, promotion has been our biggest challenge so okay. far. Uh, we've had. I would say, you know, nominal success on social media, most notably Instagram, because that's where all of this started, um, you know, before we incorporated and all of that fancy jazz. Um, And uh, we have been looking into new ways of sort of activating or mobilizing our social media, because it seems like that is uh, still a really good avenue for us to pursue because we have volunteers, I should have mentioned this before, all over the country. We have volunteers in five different states. Um, And so that social media is a way for us all to uh, stay connected in that way. And the other thing that we've been trying to do is a little bit of word of mouth. So people in different communities, if you're in Des Moines, Iowa, or Los Angeles, is just sort of talking to your uh, your neighbors, your friends, your students, your teachers, and seeing who might want to get involved with CFJ and in what capacity. Uh, but we're definitely looking to sort of bring everything to uh, a bigger scale or a bigger uh, venue. Okay. And how did you how did you guys land on Instagram? Just just curious. Uh, Instagram is it was actually the very first thing we did uh, after we had the idea to start this. Uh, my husband and I just sat on the couch and talked about it all night, and then we had this really vague idea of what we were going right. to do. And then the next morning I woke up and he had already started the Instagram. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, he is amazing. That's really cool. So Instagram was sort of the vehicle of choice based on what you guys liked. Yeah, based on uh, what we were most proficient okay. with. I that's, that's great. I mean, you know, that, that's usually how these things start. Um, <clears throat> have you done any exploration into your audiences and who, who's, who – who the different people, the different types of people are who engage with your services at, at you know a variety of different levels? That's interesting. I don't know that we've looked into specifically the people who have donated for services, okay. um, but Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, they generate um, sort of 
I would say, basic demographics for you. Okay, that's great. Um, how many people have taken part in the program from that that donor, you know, information gatherer perspective? At this point? Uh, so far, we've had about fifty people take advantage of our services, and that includes um, our members. We have about twenty five members right now. Okay. And uh, there are two kinds: you can be a gold member or a silver member. Okay. And silver members are entitled to one service of their choice per month. Gold okay. members get three. Okay. And again, is that at any donation level? Those are actually at a set price point for the time being. Silver members are $5 a month and gold members are 10. Well, that is not very expensive. Okay. That is our goal to offer really professional services well below market value. That's amazing. And how long are the, are the one-on-ones? How long do those usually last? Those vary between uh, volunteer to volunteer. Okay. For example, I teach voice lessons, and we'll do a 30-minute voice lesson. But uh, Justin, who is our ergonomic health expert, I know that his sessions are about an hour. Okay, cool. And with those donation levels, so those the gold or the silver, those, that's a month or monthly recurring, I, I assume? Yes. Okay. And are, do you offer those people the opportunity to, to donate more? Uh, at the time, no, we don't ask for that. They can always donate more uh, through our website. Okay. Uh, but we don't uh, tap into that uh, super often, I would say. Okay, cool. And, okay, so 50 people. And how long have you been running services? Um, we started on June 5th. Okay. And we have had at least some services up since June 5th. Okay. Um, but I would say our full roster was completed in about October. Okay. So June, June, June-ish start and October f- kind of full ramp. Okay, great. And then are you, are you collecting donations outside of the, the kind of value exchange um, where I'm, I'm donating to, you know, to take advantage of this service offering? Do you, do you just let people donate in general as well? Yes, we do. We absolutely do. We okay. um, In September, we had a big GoFundMe push. Uh, okay. We were looking to get a year's worth of startup costs for ourselves. And okay. we successfully did that, which was incredible. And then on Giving Tuesday, we had a really productive day also. Okay, great. And how quickly did you meet your GoFundMe? Like way faster than you expected? Or was it about about what you what you had planned how did that go we planned for a full month and it took a full month okay okay cool okay well i have a few i have a few thoughts so before before things blew up uh we were talking a little bit about your social media stuff and how you guys gravitated toward instagram because it was what you were familiar with and what you were comfortable with and you've had some some success there and I think that the line of questioning where I was going was essentially with how many people have do you have kind of in your system in terms of, of this donor um, value exchange component? And can we find out a little bit more about them? And so where I was going to go with that was the idea of, of surveying that group of people and seeing if there are commonalities among, among that group of 50 people. If it's, if it, is it all over the place, you know, just completely all over the map or do you, can you see and find, um, some common thread in terms of, you know, you can ask all sorts of questions, but really getting down to the, the, 
need of this of of where they go to get information and where they would like to engage with with your um, your organization. Um, so one of the things and and demographics are you know always always kind of bell curvy in terms of of how how people look at them. But for example, Facebook tends to age a little a little older mm-hmm. than Instagram or, you know, obviously TikTok or, or things like that. Um, Twitter tends to skew a lot more techie. Um, and so if you can get a feel for where, uh, what your, the demographics of your uh, current kind of membership or user base is, um, you can get a, a good feel for where you should be um, putting more of your efforts in terms of um, your outreach. So, for example, if, if it turns out that that most of the people are, you know, skew very, very young who are taking advantage of the systems right now, that gives you the, the knowledge that if you go after that group of people, there's, there's a real solid opportunity that you're probably going to be able to collect more of that similar demographic type. Um, so if they tend to skew older, it may tell you, okay, we need to really start going a little bit harder on Facebook, for example, than perhaps Instagram. And it doesn't mean that you should stop doing what's working. It's just an attempt to kind of tease out something that's going to work even better for you. Does that, uh, does that resonate with what, what you guys have been thinking internally? Absolutely. That's right on the money of what we're trying to do. So what I think I would do for you guys is, you know, take those 50 people and, and it's not a huge, um, sample. you know, a huge sample size, but you can go back to those people and just send them, create a, um, you know, like, like Google um, forms or something like that, or, or even a survey monkey or something and, and create you know, a five to 10 question survey to just get more insight into what their motivations were. Um, you know, how much the donation piece played into their decision to go with your services. What, what, you know, try and tease out some demographic information in terms of where they actually go for information and what, what, um, uh, you know, what social media, uh, channels they are most active in. And, and these people should, based upon the the value exchange that has occurred, should have a, a, a pretty solid um, idea in their heads that, that they kind of owe you. Um, because I think $10 or, or $5 for, uh, you know, for a one-on-one session with a, a professional such as you is just such an amazing value that I can't imagine that there's not a lot of goodwill built up there. So, Thank you. Um, so I think that that's one of the first things I would do just to get some information about your current, um, you know, those current stakeholders, those current, um, you know, people who are engaged with, with your program. Um, and you can do something similar on your social media accounts. I'm assuming that your Instagram feed has more than 50 followers at this point. Yeah. Um, so, you know, maybe just go out to them and create a survey as well and just get a feel for, what they're interested in this, this way you can actually, um, you would get some information on what areas to expand into, you know, are they interested in more 
more artistic one-on-one um, opportunities? Are they interested in more, um, you know, business kind of stuff? And it then will give you that opportunity to to add programs to your to your list as people um, have an interest in in engaging with those. That's great. And what I think will be really nice about this is we already have sort of the infrastructure where after somebody takes a service, we send them a post-service survey. Okay. And so we can add these five to 10 questions that I think would be really, really helpful. Yeah. So typically our recommendation is to keep those as short as you, as short as possible to collect the, the kind of information that you want to collect. Certainly with some of the technology out there, one of the thing, things that is nice is that if you're using a system, um, for example, like SurveyMonkey, um, you do get to collect information when people drop off. So it's not like they have to finish it in order to submit it. Right. Um, so, you know, some of those things are, those are some of the advantages of, of those technologies. Um, and then I would also just maybe try to get one-on-ones with some people and um, in terms of, of getting on a call with them and just being able to go even deeper and ask them questions and, and essentially interview them to find out more information about, uh, about how, how they you know, are engaging with your, with your organization. That's great. Let's see. What was the other thing I was going to talk to you about? Um, oh, so in terms of the promotion piece, one of the things that came to mind for me was the opportunity to retarget. Um, and this, this is essentially an, an ad spend type of situation, but the main way that people leverage retargeting is through people who have been to their site Um, it's kind of like when you go and you, you're shopping for shoes and you look at a certain, certain kind of shoes and then those shoes follow you around, uh, for the next like six weeks, Mm -hmm. um, wherever you go, those are, those are basically retargeting. And so, um, Google or whatever search engine you prefer has taken the information that you put in, in terms of that item that you were looking at or that website that you went to and looked at something and they are serving up an ad for that for that same thing or a similar thing based upon that behavior. And so, one of the things that you can do, which can sound a little a little weird, but it certainly is is an option, is um, looking for people who have have either uh, searched for certain things or have visited certain sites that are kind of in parallel to what you guys are able to provide for them in terms of, of the services that you provide and essentially retarget on those types of searches that aren't necessarily branded, but are more informational based. And, um, and, and that would be a program through kind of Google AdWords or, or um, I think even on Facebook, you can do these, these types of things um, to kind of follow people around for lack of a better word. Um, (laughs) And, uh, and be in front of them as they're making decisions. So I'm thinking of people who have visited sites like um, Craftsy, for example, um, or you know have gone to some kind of DIY stuff or have done certain searches for, for, um, oh, for, for have, have visited other services that are kind of like yours. There might be an opportunity to, to kind of piggyback on that. That's great. Uh, and you said that's through Google AdWords? 
Yeah, I think that that's probably the best place to start that that process. And you might need to either tap into your mentor base if you have someone on board who is a a pay-per-click advertising specialist mm-hmm. um, or go out to find a, a group that, that might be able to help with that kind of service. Great. Um, That's good to know. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then is there any additional escalation that you have in terms of, is there anything above gold or silver? I think you said that you haven't actually reached out to those people for additional, um, additional, opportunities to engage at this point we haven't at this point and internally we've been talking about uh, ways to get our members more involved um and so we are thinking about uh, ways to sort of restructure our membership program so that people would have the opportunity to maybe join for less or join for more depending on what they're able to contribute yeah um we haven't finalized that yet so i'm a little hesitant to dive into it but I would okay. love to know any thoughts that you have about that. Well, one of the things I was thinking is what if you set up a tip jar and essentially allow, so, so one of the things that's, that's very interesting about people is value and cost are relative um, in terms of what people's perceptions are for what is a, a, a good cost for something. And so someone, you know, two people can came, can come into a restaurant and have exactly the same meal. And one person would think that that was, you know, worth, a, a, you know, let's say $50. And another person might think that that was worth $500. And, and both of those people have maybe even the same emotional attachment to that particular number. Sure. But that, you know, so if you think about, you know, dropping, you know, do- donating a, a thousand bucks to, to an organization for a certain segment of the population. You know, so those people who are in the, you know, in the top 5% or the top 1% of, of earners in, uh, in our country, you know, a thousand dollars is really no big deal versus going to someone who's in you know the middle or the, or the bottom part of the earning, um, you know, curve, a thousand bucks would be a huge deal. And so giving people the opportunity to kind of set their own price um, and and perhaps even pay more for services based upon what they, quote, got out of it um, would be an interesting thing to to consider, I think, in that you're the dollars that you're collecting are so low to begin with that my guess is, is if, if I had a one-on-one session with you um, to, to help me be a better singer, you know, I, I can imagine thinking, well, geez, I only, I only donated $5 to, to get this amazing half an hour. I think I'd like to, to, uh, to give more. And so just always providing people that opportunity to, to kind of level up in terms of their engagement from a, from a donation standpoint, I think is a good idea. Um, based upon the, that whole, you know, value is kind of fluid right? Or, or, or expense is kind of fluid. That's great. I like that quite a lot. Uh, Let's see. And I so appreciate that you, that you appreciate our very, very low price points. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, you know, $5 a month or even, you know, I mean, $3 for, 
for a uh, $3.33 for, for a one-on-one with an expert is, a, is an incredible value, I think. I think um, so, too. And we got great experts in graphic design and painting and all over the, all over the professional spectrum. And how are you bringing those people into the fold? A lot of them were uh, from our existing professional networks, okay, uh, which was really exciting. We have had a few people come in uh, a little tangentially uh, okay. from the network of another volunteer or so on. We've only had um, a handful of volunteers who came to us and they're like, wow, this looks amazing. Please let us uh, participate. And we were like, absolutely. Um, but I will say those are... Now that our personal and professional networks have sort of been tapped, everyone who joins CFJ at this point is somebody new who just wants to be folded into the mix. Okay, that's great. And are, are you getting most of those inquiries through Instagram as well? Or where, where are they coming from uh, other than word of mouth? Uh, those have mostly come in through Instagram. We've had a few, uh, like the executive team, we all reached out to our alumni association. Okay. Um, and I had we've had a few inquiries from that, but that's still word of mouth, I would say. Okay. Um, okay. So yeah, I would say the majority of them are still coming in through Instagram. And how many of those people do you do you have on on the roster? Uh, I think in total, we have. I'll get a definitive answer for you. We have. Da, 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 da. We have. For five, including Hannah, our student ambassador. Okay. And are you looking to expand? It sounds like you're looking to expand that network. Always. We're always looking for uh, anyone with any talent that they want to give and donate for social justice. Okay. And are there any expectations in terms of the number of hours that they donate per month or... No, uh, we just ask that volunteers uh, be upfront with us about what they're able to offer. Because okay. we, we know that donating in and of itself is a privilege. And if that's your time or if that's monetarily, it is a privilege to be able to do that. So we don't want to set any specific expectations for our community and much less for our teams in that way. If they only have half an hour, that's okay. If you want to give it for if you want to donate your half hour and raise money for the NAACP, that's amazing. Let's do it. Okay. And then do each, does each person who is a mentor get to decide to which charity they're? Yes, they do. Okay. Um, we, as long as it's a social justice charity. Yes. As long as its mission aligns with ours. Okay. Um, and we do limit it for right now to one organization per volunteer. Okay. Cool. That, that makes sense. And so, so then you track uh, the volunteers, however, however many sessions they had, and then, and then dole out accordingly. Exactly. In some fashion. Okay. You have some kind of, some mechanism to figure that out. Yes. I'll, I'll trust that you have that all, <laughs> all figured out. Yeah. Okay. That's the easy part for us. Okay, good. Um, are there any places into which you're trying to expand in terms of, of expertise? Oh, that's a great question. Um, uh, we're definitely looking just internally for some help. Uh, we would love some help with our social media. Um, we would love some help with a few administrative things. Okay. And uh, knock on wood, uh, if our, our projects that we're launching in 2021, if those really 
get some legs like we think that they will. We would like to bring some people on uh, to help sort of manage and oversee that day-to-day life. Okay. Okay, great. But then in terms of men, uh, in terms of mentors in the program, are there, you know, so you, you said you had essentially these five kind of areas, pr- performing arts, fine arts, media, health services, and professional services. Mm-hmm. Are there any of those into which you're trying to expand or, or trying to, to build out additional resources to, you know, bring on, oh, I don't know, uh, handyman services or, um, I'm trying to think of other other things that that might fit fit your mo- model. I think um, I, I just want to sort of underline that if, like, right now we have three uh, music teachers who all teach voice and something else. Okay. So we don't necessarily need a fourth voice teacher, but if another yeah. voice teacher wanted to come on, I'm not going to say no to that person. Right. Right. Um, that said, some areas that I would love to potentially explore would be like uh, therapy. Or nice. counseling, or okay. I don't know how this would work logistically, but maybe even legal help uh, to some degree. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So we would, and the other thing that we're looking to do is expand uh, linguistically. We have one volunteer now who offers nutrition counseling in English and Spanish. Okay. And so uh, if you have any of our existing services, but if you can offer them in another language, we would love to do that to build even a broader coalition that is the yeah. CFJ community. Yeah. Okay. Let's see. So, and how big do you, do you have an email list that's above and beyond kind of the 50 people? Are you trying to collect email addresses and, and build, build kind of a list? We do have an email list of about 160 people. Okay. Uh, we have a monthly newsletter that I edit. Uh, it's called amplify. It's our anti-racist resource guide. It comes out at the last day of every month. Okay. Um, so everyone on our mailing list gets that. Uh, and then anything else that we send out throughout the year. Okay. So it's one time per month. Yes. Okay. <clears throat> so clearly I'm big on surveys uh, today during our discussion. I think that going back and surveying your entire email list with the similar questions as to the, you know, the people who have actually raised their hand and are, are part of your program as either members or, um, or um, donors, I think would be a good place to, to get some additional information as well. Um, you know, a 160 person list isn't huge, but it's something, and it gives you an opportunity to ask, um, ask those kinds of questions. Like if we were to expand our, our services into other, categories which of these would you be interested in in you know in in learning about and having the opportunity to speak with someone about um so for example you know when you think of business services you could you could add marketing to that list and get someone like me on board or you know any of your friends who are in in marketing um to be that um that person who donates their time to talk to people about about marketing um but in the absence of of uh an understanding and the information around um, what people want, um, you're going to be a little bit limited in terms of your ability to, to kind of hyper target um, those areas in which you can expand really quickly. Sure. That makes sense to me. And I like, uh, I really like the suggestion about emailing the, or serving the email list. When you first brought it up, that's actually what I wrote down for myself. Okay, great. 
Um, I think that those are some, some good places just to start collecting information. You know, you're, you're trying to expand and you're looking to, to grow your reach and, you know, the, the best first place to, to do that is to just go back to that well that's been working for you and to just get more information around what, what do they want? And, and it's as simple as asking, you know, that, that question, which is kind of funny that, you know, I think as people, we sometimes have a hard time just asking the question. Um, so I, I think that that'd be a, a really good place to start. Um, cause what you may find is that people are really looking for information about, you know, some sort of training that they're doing or some sort of, um, you know, vacation advice or I, you know, I, I'm not really sure. So if you, but if you, if you ask, then you'll, you'll have a better understanding of what people are actually looking for. It's a great idea. So those are a few things where I think you can get started and, and start to be able to expand your reach quite a bit. Um, so again, going back to your going back to your list and figuring out. So doing that kind of due diligence on who's participating in the system now, mm-hmm. and, and seeing you know seeing where you might be able to expand, um, and then just yeah, just tapping all of those resources because I know there's an organization here in Colorado that's that spun up this year. It was part of uh, Governor Polis's um, initiative to try to help. Uh, small business out during this pandemic and it's called Energize Colorado. And I'm, I'm a mentor at Energize Colorado. And um, I know that they're always looking for other people to come on because they have small business, um, you know, owners or leaders out there trying to just figure out how, you know, how to, how to get online, for example. So they've been a brick and mortar store forever and now that's you know been challenging over the last few months and so but they've never built a website or they've never figured out how to um, do e-commerce and so basically energize colorado and that's not the only thing that they that they have mentorship opportunities for but they really put a call out there to all all sorts of you know wide diverse range of of, of uh, people with with a huge assortment of skills and then put that same sort of ask out there for people looking for these types, looking for information in these areas. And, um, and so it's just, you know, if you guys can facilitate that, that those connections, that's going to be super powerful. I think, I think LinkedIn would be another great place to just go out and just start asking people if they'd like to um, be part of your, part of your crew that, uh, that, that donates their time. Um, and what I think you'll get is you'll see a lot of people raising their hands who, who maybe do have a little bit of extra time right now, um, to be able to, to put it towards this kind of a, this kind of a, a of a program. That's a great idea. And I, I think you're absolutely right. If we can, um, tap into our own resources, um, it's and it's amazing to see the the power of talking to people one on one. That's truly grassroots mobilization. Uh, that's something we learned through our GoFundMe, actually. And it's when you approach people one at a time, and it it doesn't become a personal thing, but it in the other aspect, it becomes a very personal thing, right? Because then yeah. you're engaging people um, 
individually. And we found that was really, really beneficial for us as CFJ because then we got the word out and we knew people were actually learning about us, even if they weren't in a position to donate. Right. Um, it, it actually grew our organization quite a bit. Yeah. I just had another thought around when you, when you mentioned your GoFundMe um, experience, um, have you, I know that the, the, the goal of this is to provide one-on-one type of, of in-person mentorship or, or, you know, opportunities to learn from an expert on a one-on-one basis. Have you considered the idea of creating a content library that either works as a, as a, a lead generator for you or, um, or something that people could, could subscribe to as well? where either maybe maybe some of the sessions are recorded and you're able to basically scale some of this stuff um, so that people can just access this library of, of, of content and, and knowledge? I think that's a really interesting idea. Um, my, my only, I guess, hesitation with that is uh, for some things like voice lessons, let's just say, because that's yep. my area, Um, every voice lesson is going to look a little bit different because every singer is going to be a little bit different. Right. Uh, So while I think you can learn a lot from watching somebody else's lesson, I would be a little hesitant to say, watch this lesson and see what you learn. You know what I mean? Right. Yep. I I want to put that disclaimer of don't try this at home. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no, I totally get it. Um, I was just thinking, you know, when you mentioned the GoFundMe that there's a, you know, there is expertise that you have now in that you've run a GoFundMe campaign that you could bring to the table in terms of, of helping coach someone through how to start their first GoFundMe and how to, you know, what, how to set expectations of how to run that. And that would probably be relatively universal in terms of, you know, there would be some specificity there, but if you were to, you know, pick very specific topics that, that were being discussed and perhaps, perhaps those would be opportunities to create that library um, of, of material or, or that becomes what a a lot of times you hear of is like a content, uh, magnet. Mm -hmm. So essentially the, the ad or the, the ask that you're putting out there or the offer that you're putting out there is, um, you know, learn, learn how, learn from an expert, how to start a GoFundMe campaign. Right. And that becomes this, this element that you give away, I would recommend putting it behind, uh, you know, a paywall of, um, of an email exchange at least. So essentially if you'd like to, to get access to this, then please give us your email and we'll, we'll send you the, the information. Um, that way you're building your list. And then at the end of each of these, you know, back to that tip jar idea, um, you know, really allowing people to, identify what that value was for them and, and donate maybe after the fact uh, as in addition to kind of before, before the fact, if that makes sense. Absolutely. I I think the tip jar idea is really sensational. Cool. Um, What other, what other aspects of, of outreach have you tried that you thought would work? And is there anything that, that you, that you're like, Oh, that that surprises that it either did work or didn't work. Um, I don't think we've had too many big surprises. Um, one thing that we've all done is reached out to educators in the public school systems where we live. And 
I shouldn't say all, but we've done that in New York, uh, California, and Iowa, at least. Okay. Um, and hearing the response from different educators has, I thought, been really interesting. Everyone seems really excited about the idea. Okay. Um, but I think there's just so much going on right now with education that I want to, I, I think, adjust my expectations and come to them with a finished project rather than build a project with them at this point in time. Uh, so that I would say is a, was a small adjustment, but nothing has really um, shaken me, I guess. Okay. Okay. Cool. Are there, are there other aspects of any of these, these groups that, that you, I mean, you guys kind of hit the jackpot in terms of, of this online learning uh, environment that we were all thrust into mm-hmm. along with, you know, the black lives matter movement and, and all of the social injustice stuff that was going on this year. Um, you know, you, you kind of nailed that intersection um, with, with, with this idea. And I, I love it. Um, do you feel like there, how are you, how are you getting the word out in terms of the number of, of donations that you've generated? Are you, are you doing anything proactively to, to get that information out there as well? Um, uh, every month we have uh, just a little blurb about any updates with CFJ in our newsletter that everybody gets. Okay. And so we'll put those in there. And for example, when, for our fuel the vote campaign, uh, back in November, we fed, uh, I believe it was over 7,000 voters and poll workers in New York and Washington, DC. Okay. And so any updates like that, we always, uh, throw out to people. Um, but yeah, I would say that is our sole concerted effort to sort of spread that word in addition to posting on like Instagram or Twitter and so on. Okay. That's great. Um, yeah, it sounds like, it sounds like you're doing a lot of the, the, the right things. And the fact that you've, that you were able to raise enough funds to kind of cover working expenses for, for the, the bulk of 2021 or where, where, do, where are you landing from a financial standpoint right now? It should get us, our GoFundMe ended um, the end of September. So it should get us to September 2021. But right okay. now our members um, and just the sort of recurring donations that we do get already sustain our month-to-month operations. Okay. Um, so we're actually, we're in a really fortunate position right now. And every single person at Creating for Justice, I should also say, is currently a volunteer the board of directors, the executive team, everyone is a volunteer. Okay. That's great. Yeah. And so we, we don't, we're not focusing on salaries. We're just focusing right now on giving whatever we can, whenever we can. Okay. And ideally, you know, you, you just kind of keep plugging people into the, into the system and growing it, you know, organically. Um, yeah. I mean, that's sort of the goal. We are working with a grant writer for one of our projects that we're hoping to launch next year. Okay. Um, which I think would sort of catapult us into this new echelon of nonprofits. Cause we'd go from having, you know, very modest money to having a large sum of money to okay. really make something happen. Yeah. Um, so I'm really excited to see the results from that. Um, and it's our first time, uh, you know, using the grant writing process and really learning 
sort of that curve too, which makes me, which reminds me of that content library. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we're constantly learning. We're constantly growing. Um, and again, I just welcome anyone who wants to join us to reach out. You can find me at taylor at creatingforjustice.org. Well, that is awesome, Taylor. That was going to be my next question was how, how should people get in touch with you? Oh, that's, um, yeah. So feel free to email. For, <laughs> Sorry. For putting that out there. That was perfect. Of course. Get in touch with me directly or check out creatingforjustice.org to see what we've been up to, what's coming up. And we do have a place on the website for our community projects where you can suggest something. If okay. there's something that we can do or that you would like to do in your community or in a community you love, please reach out. And I promise we will work with you to try to find a way to make that happen. Okay. That sounds great. Um, so what are your takeaways from, from our discussion today? You know, I've, I think I've learned actually quite a lot. Um, because I'm the executive director of programs. So I'm often thinking about like what our services do and what they provide. And I'm, I kind of think of myself as like the curriculum specialist, if that makes sense. Okay. Um, and so really thinking about um, the audience, I guess would I say, I would say it would be my big takeaway from our conversation, thinking about how to engage in what they need. Um, and it's something that I think about a lot as a teacher. I, I think a lot of people right now are saying, you know, my, my class is culturally responsive. And I think that's phenomenal. But I think to really be culturally responsive, you need to ask the community what they want, what they think is missing, and what they would like to learn. Um, and so applying that to our current um, network, I'll call it, I think is a really fantastic idea. Um, and I'm only a little embarrassed that I didn't think of it first. <laughs> that, that's okay. That's why, that's why we're here to, to, to have these conversations is help un, unearth some gold for you. Yeah. And so I, it's really sort of shifted the, uh, the lens for me uh, in a really positive way. Okay, cool. Well, I love to end all of these conversations with uh, a, another question. And that question is all about action. And, it, if you were able to influence the people who are listening today to take one action um, in their lives after listening to this podcast, what, what would you have them do? That's a great question. Um, I would have them ask themselves, what talents do they have that can help set people free? Because there is so much in this world that um, gets labeled one way or another. And some people don't think that what they do is necessarily useful or creative, but I would ask anyone listening to challenge that assumption because I'm as sure as I am sitting here, you have a skill, you have a talent and it can help raise money for really incredible organizations, not just creating for justice, but all throughout the country. Oh, I love it. That's, that's a great way to end this. And I really appreciate you being on the show. Thank you. Thanks Thank for you being for having here. me. Oh, sure. And I will look forward to learning more about your programs and following your success. Great. Thank you so much, Stu. Sure. Thank you. All right. There you have it. Another great episode of Relish This. Thanks for listening. 
If you would like to learn more about how to apply the audience engagement cycle to expand your organization's mission, there are two things you can do. Right now, you can go to missionuncomfortablebook.com to download a copy of my book. And while you're there, you can get your purpose-driven marketing score to see where you can unearth some gold for your organization. If you'd like to listen to back episodes of the show or sign up to be a guest, go to relishstudio.com slash podcast. That's it for this week. I'll be back next week for another great episode of Relish This.